No. Hold on. Here, I'm going to hold the phone down right by it. Oh, I hear it. I hear it. That's the lake. Oh, I'm so jealous. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we are going to answer your questions. And don't despair if we don't get your question today, because for the first time ever, we're doing a two-part listener question extravaganza. That's right. We got so many great questions that we cannot fit them into one episode. So today is just part one. But first, we have an update. Sarah, you are officially happier in the heartland. Yes, I'm here. It's amazing. Yesterday I was working and I was like on the deck just with the wind and the sound of water. It was amazing. I couldn't believe you were somewhere where there was the sound of water lapping on the shore. You know, I will record some and send it to you. Oh, yes, please. As a meditation. (laughs) Yes. And Sarah, our first question is about your trip. So let's get into it. This is from Lindsay. She says, Sarah, can you give us some more details on your temporary move to Minnesota and or the RV trip to Missouri. I'm considering doing something similar, driving cross-country to visit family on the East Coast, and we would really appreciate some of the nitty-gritty logistics. How much did you drive each day? What kind of car did you have? Where did you rent your RV from? How big was the RV? And was it a pain to get the hang of? Did you quarantine once you got there? For how long? Etc. Sarah, you could have a whole podcast series just on traveling in the time of COVID. Totally. Okay, so I'll I'll be quick though. So the, so on the RV trip, there's two trips. There was the RV trip to Missouri, and then we drove by car with a U-Haul here. On the RV trip, we rented a, um, a I think it was a 25 foot RV from Chill RV in LA, which Chuck recommended. They were amazing, and everyone said like go longer so that you can have shorter days and whatever. But it since it wasn't a fun trip, it was just a get there get back kind of trip. The days were pretty long. Our longest day, I think, was 560 miles. The shortest was around 400. And it was totally grueling, I will say. I was really tired by the end of the day because driving an RV is a it's like a workout for your arms. Hmm. And then for this trip, I was driving my car. So it was much more (laughs) just easy because I was familiar with the car. We brought all the food we needed for the whole trip. I got a hot plate. We had soup for dinner in the hotel rooms which were like very basic hotel rooms because we had our dogs and guinea pigs. (laughs) Um, And And you had a U-Haul hitched to the back. I got the smallest U-Haul that you can get. It's four by eight, I think, because my car's a hybrid and I wasn't sure how well it was going to do. And we drove, I think the first day we only drove like 400 miles. And then the day we drove the longest was an accident. We drove 
I think, 750 miles in a day, and it was just god-awful. And that's because you accidentally ended up on a 70-mile gravel mountain road? Yes. we. My GPS took me on a, an adventure that Violet absolutely loved, and my stepmom was, like, very calm for, and I was just, like, gripping the steering wheel thinking we were never going to make it out alive because we were on these, like, windy mountain roads with hairpin oh. turns, all gravel, steep drops on the side. This was in Utah. Oh my God. And it was like, first it said 30 miles. And then we were like, okay, then we'll turn onto a real road. It'll be a real road. It'll be a real road. It'll be a real road. And then the next road was also not a real road. It was like a gravel oh. road through. But we saw vultures and lots of antelope and every kind of nature, prairie dogs, all the <laughs> nature. And we used the little camping toilet that uh, that I brought and kept in the car <laughs> because there yes, was, that was nowhere to go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that, of course, is my follow-up question. Oh, okay. You bought a portable toilet <laughs> with like a pop-up tent. Yes. To put around it. Um, <laughs> my question is, did you use it? Did you go to public bathrooms? I sent you an article saying no COVID cases had been traced to public bathrooms, hoping you would just go to real bathrooms. I have to know what happened because okay, I've been so on the edge of my seat. <laughs> we did go to bathrooms and gas stations and stuff okay. like that. Except for this one time when we were in the middle of nowhere and we didn't bother to put put up the tent because there was right. literally <laughs> no one there yeah. to see. <laughs> so um, we just peed. So we did use it. So now I'm like, of course, it was money well spent. Good. All right. Well, I'm glad to know, though, you weren't just like in a McDonald's parking lot in the tent going to the bathroom, which is what I pictured. Jack's joke about that, Sarah, was that people were going to think it was a COVID testing site and they were going to go in the tent while you're in the bathroom. They'd be like, get out! Get test. out! Okay, so that's the update on your trip. Yes. You don't want to go anywhere for a long time. Yes, I am here now and I am going to love every moment. Um, okay, our next question is from Cheryl. She said, what do you specifically mean when you say good writing? I'm not in the industry, so this concept is hard for me to grasp. Is it character, setting, dialogue? It gets mentioned a lot, so diving deeper into a discussion would be interesting, at least to me. Hmm. Mm, good question. Yeah. Well, it's all of those things. Character, setting, dialogue. When you're reading it, it's well-written action. Of course, when you're watching it, action is just uh, shot. But it's really specificity. We talk about specificity a lot, and... If you watch just like an amazing TV show, Take the Sopranos, every character is so specific and they say things that only that character would say, often in an incredibly entertaining way or a very insightful way. And so it's really about honing in on your world and having it be so clear that you feel like you're in that world. It feels real. I mean, that's what good TV writing is to me. Yeah, it should feel both utterly surprising and inevitable. Yes. Like in the big picture, when you're watching a show and you have that feeling, that is good writing. But it's weirdly also just like tiny little things, like if you're reading a script, how the sentence flows. It's yes. so many things from small to large get encompassed in good writing, but it's really about just... I think of it as sort of integrity, 
just does it mm. all work together as a piece? And are there things that are kind of pulling you out of it or distracting you from it? And if so, it could be better. And if there aren't those things, that's good writing. And by the way, the nice thing about television is one can enjoy not great writing. You know, you can have a great a lifetime movie that may not be the best, most elevated thing, but it's still incredibly entertaining. Yes. And I so love true. a good lifetime movie. I just wait for the lifetime holiday movies. Coming up, more questions. But first is break. Okay, Sarah, we have a question from another Lindsay. We have a lot of Lindsays in this episode. (laughs) She says, Hi, Liz and Sarah. You talk a lot about showrunners, but that title isn't listed anywhere in the credits after a show ends. Are the showrunners listed as a creator or the executive producer? What if they created the show but don't stay on to be the showrunner? If you create the show but then leave it, do you get any benefits from it? She says, I'm thinking of Amy Sherman Palladino when she left Gilmore Girls. Okay, so a lot of people are confused by this. The showrunner isn't a title that's listed. Um, The showrunner is always an executive producer. Automatically, if you're running a show, you're going to be an executive producer. The creator is sometimes the showrunner and sometimes not the showrunner. And the creator is sometimes an executive producer and sometimes not an executive producer. Yeah, that part can be a little confusing. It it really depends on the experience level of the creator. Yeah, and you would think, well, why would someone not experienced be creating a show? But it's because what happens is there are sort of all these ideas and 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 pitches, and you can't everyone selling a show couldn't possibly be an experienced showrunner because there are so many more ideas sold than are made. Oftentimes it's a younger, newer writer that sells a show and then they may write a great script but not have the skill set to run the show. So that's when a, a showrunner is brought on. And to your question of if you leave the show and you're the creator, do you still get benefits Yes, you do. What those are really depends on your level of clout, essentially. You know, I'm sure Amy Sherman Palladino did great when she left Gilmore Girls. Someone else who it was their first show, they may not, the benefits may not be as great, but you always get some sort of benefit. And then Pamela from Michigan, Liz, I love this question. Do you plan to have any more of your silicone cups for sale? Yes, we ah, do. Yes, so <laughs> we are. glad you asked. We are selling the cups right now. Our beautiful rainbow silipint travel uh, cups with lid. They can go in the dishwasher, the microwave. They keep hot things hot, cold things cold. They're absolutely wonderful. And if you would like one, email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com and say you'd, you'd like to order a cup and we'll send you the information. They are $25. That includes shipping. And they're amazing. I think I'm drinking from one. Oh, yeah, I have one right here. Okay, here's another question from a Lindsay, Sarah. She says, can you give us your most painfully blunt advice about the likelihood of breaking into TV writing over the next couple of years? I've been in L.A. for the past four years and have had some near misses. I was about to develop my pilot with a production company when the pandemic hit and they have since backed out. 
but nothing solid. I'm now questioning whether I should stick it out or if the circumstances are forcing a reality check and I should cut my losses and run. I know how hard it is for anyone to predict the future right now, but I think it would be useful for me and other aspiring writers to hear some very frank advice based on your expertise about what you think the hiring landscape is going to look like in the short to long term and whether showrunners, producers are realistically going to be taking chances on new no-name writers. Oh my gosh, this is a great question. That's a great question. It's a big question and with a lot of variables that are unknown. Yes. So we'll give it our best shot. I personally do not think that there's going to be a ton of hiring in the short term. Like, I think the next couple years are going to be really difficult as because we don't know what's going to happen with the vaccine. Production is starting up. We don't know how it's going to go yet. It could go great. It could go horribly. It's just, it's going to be a really weird time. And one thing that we are sort of already noticing is that shows are going forward with the writing, but because they can't do production, they don't need as many writers. Right. Because, you know, normally you start writing a show and then you're also producing it. So the upper level people are also kind of very busy doing production. But if you're writing all the scripts first, you really don't need as many writers. So I think staffs are going to be smaller for the next year, at least. Yeah. But here's, for me, a red flag in your in your question is, should I cut my losses and run? Because... This industry is just really, really hard. And if you're sort of thinking like, oh, God, is this a time to just get out of it and do something else? It might be a time to get out of it and do something else. Because the, right. you know, we say it takes five to 10 years to break in. Maybe right now it's going to take five to 12 years, you know. So you really have to think about it in the long haul. And, and there's also the factor of like, if you leave for a little bit, and then decide to come back, there will be people who stayed and who yes. used this time to, I don't know how exactly, socially distance networking of some kind and, <laughs> you know, and write their specs and do all of those things. So then you'll be behind all of those people and then there will be new people coming in. So it's sort of a question of, do you really just want to go, okay, you know what? I've been here. I've tried it. This is not the thing for me. I gave it a certain period of time. I don't want to give it 10 more years. So I'm going to get out or you just have to buckle down. Yes. And I will say like, it never gets easy. You know, no. it's not easy for us now. You know what I mean? So it's just pandemic or no pandemic. It is a very tough industry where there is always so much unknown you know, so much uncertainty. It's rarely stable. So if if that is, you know, not something you want to deal with, then you do not want to be a writer in Hollywood. And by the way, that is totally understandable. <laughs> yes, it is. But if it's all you want to do, then just, you know. Yeah. Um, and Sarah, we had a sort of related question from Rachel. Um, let's play that, Chuck. Hi, Sarah and Liz. My name is Rachel Rontick, and I live in Los Angeles. I've been a hospital pharmacist for 20 years, and I started acting uh, about 13 years ago uh, 
I'm a member of SAG. And about five years ago, I started writing and have found that that's really where my creative soul lies. And I went back to school to UCLA. I'm just concerned that because of my age, which is 43, that I'm starting too late and I'm not going to be able to compete with people that are younger than me. But I am full of energy and I'm very excited to get in a room. And I would just really love your thoughts on somebody you know, getting started in TV writing at this age. Um, thank you. Also, thank you for keeping the podcast going during the pandemic. It really is a bright spot in my week as it is, I'm sure, for many other people. Thanks. No, oh, thanks, Rachel. <laughs> thanks, Rachel. Boy, that is a tough question. What I would say is, yes, it's going to be hard to get started at 43. It just is. Yeah. And I think the route would not be a traditional route. Like, you're not going to go be a writer's PA, probably, and then an assistant, partly because I think people will just feel like you're overqualified, so they don't want to have you getting lunch, you know? So I think it would be a different route. To me, at that age, if you want to break in, it's more something like you produce your own amazing web series, somebody thinks it's great, and you come in sideways that way. Do you know what I mean, Sarah? Yeah, and also enter competitions and, you know, like have great material and just kind of get your name out there. Do things like We For She. And there are so many great organizations specifically for women where you can network and meet people and get kind of a boost. And I also think... There's just a thing. You have to be able and willing to hustle. Yeah. Just keep going no matter what, which also applies to Lindsay's question. It's like you have to just hustle nonstop. If you are a hustler who just kind of doesn't take no for an answer and doesn't get knocked down, then your odds of success are much greater. So I yeah, yes, I mean, of course it will be hard, but there are definitely things you can do. I mean, how because having said how hard it is, we know someone who I is I think probably in her mid to late 40s who recently got her first job. Yep, absolutely. You know, it now she had a kind of a certain skill set or knowledge base that was useful. So that also depends on if you bring something to it that's very specific. But it's a question only you can answer, but the short the short answer is yes, it will be very hard. I mean, it just will. We're so sunny today, Liz. I know. Well, it's it's hard. <laughs> I know. It's so hard. And we have more questions coming up, but first this break. And then we have a question that we're going to keep anonymous. It says, I have a problem relating to my new job, which I started about a month into lockdown. I still haven't met my coworkers or been to the office as we've all been working remotely. I'm not sure if it's these circumstances without the creative spark of collaborating in person or if it's due to the general sad state of the world, but I have been feeling really flat and down. Concentrating has been hard and I haven't been at all productive in my new role. I've suffered from depression in the past and this feels very similar. The company hired me because I'm known for moving quickly and having high energy, but since I began, it feels as if I'm knee-deep in molasses and I've hardly made any meaningful progress in two and a half months. I might be projecting, but I feel as if the company is disappointed with my performance so far. 
My question is this. Do I talk to my new boss about my mental health issues? She is a fair-minded and sympathetic person, and I believe that we should be more transparent and open about issues of depression and anxiety. So why do I feel cautious about raising this? What would you do? Well, this is such a tough question, and I think probably a lot of people are having similar issues right now. Um, now, Sarah, you and I talked a lot about this, and we have thoughts, but also we know that, you know, we don't necessarily have the answers. So we're asking our listeners, if you're out there and you're the boss in this situation, you know, what do you recommend? So please send us your answers to happierinhollywood at gmail.com and we'll revisit this question. But for the moment, maybe you need medication and we don't know, but, but getting help can make a huge difference quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also just reiterating that you are not alone in this. I mean, I think everyone, to some extent, is having the same or similar feelings right now. It's just a really, really tough time. And I think it's really hard to focus on work. It's hard for us to focus on work. Yeah. And we have the accountability of each other. You know, we have to, like, look each other in the eye or hear each other on the other end of the phone every single day. Well, and when you haven't met people, it is harder to find your footing. Yes. And you don't have that level of accountability and connection yet. And you can't just sort of create it over a screen, I think. It's much harder. We've talked about this before when we were talking about how work is going to change. It's definitely harder to connect to people when you don't have any kind of in-person experience. Well, and you can't pop into an office and say, hey, you know, yeah. here's a question. It, it, it's like such a big deal to connect with anyone that you don't have that casual interaction that can sort of fill in the gaps in a workplace when you're sort of getting to know the ropes. Yeah. As for whether this person should talk to the boss, I mean, my inclination would be to say yes, just without overstating, just say, hey, I'm dealing with this. I, I want to be more productive. I know I can do a better job for you. I'm dealing with this. I mean, what people want to hear is that you're finding solutions, I think. Yes, that you're being proactive about it. And I agree with you about being more transparent and open about issues of depression and anxiety. Yes. I think it's very, very, very important. important. And the way you describe your boss, she sounds like someone who would be open and, you know, decent. <laughs> she sounds cool. Here's what I would say if we were in this situation with somebody. Yeah. I would rather know that the person knows they're not doing the job that we thought they were going to do and that there's a reason for it rather than just observing that they're not doing it. Absolutely. I agree. You know, I would be more inclined to give them more chances and help them more if I knew why what, this was happening and also that they knew it was happening. Yes. And if your boss knows, then your boss can help kind of redirect things to other people if necessary for a period of time. Your boss can kind of help you work your way through it. So good luck. And hopefully we'll get some great answers from all of you listeners, because right now, uh, mental health and how we're working during this pandemic, how we're caring for our kids, all of it is just, you know, something that resonates with so many, yeah. including us. 
And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks everybody for your amazing questions. More to come next week. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed. Thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. And of course, thank you to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Do the Thing from Whole 30's Melissa Urban. And check out the newest Onward Project podcast, Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S Fain. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Wait, so where are you recording now that you're at the lake? I can't tell. I'm I'm in uh I'm in my bedroom closet, which is big, thank God. Um but it's carpeted. I feel like it's much, much better than my previous podcasting setup. Oh good. We'll see what Chuck thinks. From the onward project.